This is the Busy People Podcast hosted by Nicole Hope and Victoria Albuquerque. Dropping knowledge on all things health, wellness, and lifestyle because you're never too busy to learn something new. had an amazing conversation with Devin Burke. He is a master at helping people sleep better. Um, He's an author. And honestly, he gave so much great information about why sleep is so important and also ways that we can improve our sleep health. And I think that we all, whether we realize it or not, need to improve our sleep a bit. Yeah, I think this is a good listen for everybody, like you just mentioned, whether you think you have sleep issues or not. And most people I know do have sleep issues, um, but the effects are are wild and and the benefits are um, amazing too. So Devin touches on all of these things and as always in a you know short, concise way with actionable takeaways. So I think everyone should take advantage and check it out. Yeah, and share it with a friend who you know needs sleep. Honestly, it's going to be really helpful. Today, obviously, we have Devin Burke with us. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a best-selling author of The Sleep Advantage and also a TEDx speaker, um, I, which I thought was great. But for the audience who doesn't know you yet, can you just introduce yourself um, and just tell us what led you to focus on sleep health? Yeah, so real quick, uh, sort of how I got to help people across the country sleep. Um, I was going to become a physical therapist. I was fascinated with the physical body. And then I was sort of went on a backpack trip around Europe, realized, okay, I'm not that passionate about physical therapy after a little bit of a hiatus. And so long story short, I I was really like, what am I going to do with my life? And I met somebody that was a health coach. And this was like maybe 15 years ago. And they were like, I had no idea that health coaching was a thing. They started explaining to me, this is what you do. This is how you help people. And um, so that kind of set me on this, this sort of path of studying holistic health and coaching. And then I got into studying a lot of psychologies and sort of mindset and performance. And I was working with a lot of high performers. And as you can imagine, a lot of those types of people have issues with their sleep. And at that point, I knew nothing about sleep. I took it for granted. I thought it was a waste of time. And a lot of people that I was working with needed help specifically with sleep. So that was like, okay, let me see what's available to help you. And what I found was really shocking is medication or something called CBTI or cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And so seeing that there was just those two solutions and then learning how important sleep was, I was like, Hmm, I wonder if, you know, there's, you know, another way of helping people with this specific issue. And so then I started to dive into the science. I started to really understand how important it is, how powerful it is when you optimize it. And so that was, uh, probably about seven years ago when I started Sleep Science Academy, and it's been evolving ever since. So that's sort of a long story. I try to keep it short, but that's that's what led me to, uh, to helping people sleep. That's perfect because we our whole premise here is kind of getting to the point um, with this podcast, right? So uh, just one question before Victoria takes over for a little bit, but um, did you feel like you had a, a problem with your own sleep before you embarked on this journey or you didn't even think about it? Or now do you realize that you did? So interesting. So honestly, I I was an amazing sleeper. Like my family used to joke and call me narco, like short for narcoleptic. (laughs) I think I said this in my TED talk. Um, And I just took it for granted. But actually, funny thing is when I started to actually measure my sleep, I realized that I wasn't getting as, I wasn't getting the sleep that I thought I was getting. And it's really important. You can't really master what you don't measure. So once I started to really measure my sleep and I started to learn about sleep and implement certain techniques and strategies, I actually noticed the quality of my sleep increase. And then I noticed what that did to the next day as far as my decision-making, my focus. Um, and then I started to experiment with with this in my practice and, and people were experiencing this, the same when they're making these little 
changes and in, in increasing the quality, how big of an impact that made in their, their performance and their emotional health and their, their ability to process their memory. Um, and so that was sort of my experience. And that that's, what's fascinating to me about it's something that you, you might think you're doing really well, but you could be doing it a lot better. Um, and that was my experience with, with my own sleep. I totally identify to that because I think people would also say, and I've always thought of myself as a good sleeper. I mean, even Nicole and I have been the best of friends since we're like eight years old. Even when we were having sleepovers as little kids, she would be up early out doing, I would sleep late, sleep in. Um, But in recent years, I've made a lot of changes to my lifestyle and I've noticed, oh, I wasn't actually getting good sleep. And same thing, I noticed the amazing effects and benefits that it had on my mental health, my physical health, um, when I'm actually getting good sleep. So I totally identify with that. Um, I guess one of the big things that I wanted to kind of talk about at first was, um, you know, society as a whole, because I feel like so many people I know have issues with sleep, right? Um, And I guess whether they know it or not. Um, but do you think that sleep is declining and, you know, for us as a society and, you know, what, what are some of the main reasons for that? Yeah, great question. Absolutely. It's declining for sure. And when I say declining, meaning people are getting less sleep and their sleep is worse. And the reason for that, there's a lot of reasons. One is you alluded to it that there's a, as a society, it's seen as a weak habit of low performers. It's seen as a waste of time. You snooze, you lose all of these sort of phrases, these sayings as a society, you know, it's, it's seen as something that is, is sort of not necessary. So there's that aspect to it. And then there's this whole other realm of technology that's invaded our, our lives and, and our bedrooms right. that is keeping people from prioritizing and protecting it. So not only do we have these social programs running that it's a waste of time and, you know, if you do it, you know, you're, you're missing out on life and all these things. But now we have on the other end of that, we have these amazing technologies like Netflix with these incredible shows that are like the best movies ever that never end. And so it's really hard for people to actually prioritize their sleep. And, and not to mention just the, the fast pace of society, especially here in the States, people are really they're burnout. They're, you know, they're doing too much totally. as, as a culture. We're not, you know, we're not focused on prioritizing space and rest and rhythm. We're focused on making more money and trying to, trying to look a certain way and trying to do it all. And we can't, and people are, that's why most people have issues with their sleep. Right. And so what happens if we are shortchanging our sleep? I mean, literally every aspect of your life is affected when you're not sleeping well. So first and foremost, it increases your chances of any major disease, whether that's a heart attack, whether that's Alzheimer's, dementia, whether that's diabetes, because it affects our hormones. So you're shortening your life, first and foremost. Um, You're also decreasing the quality of life. So this is what's even, it's not just about how long you live, it's about how, you know, the life in those years, right? So you're less present. You're less able to, to emotionally regulate. Meaning, some you're walking down the street. Somebody you see somebody. You might think that they're they're looking at you in like a negative way, but you're just misinterpreting their emotions because you're underslept. Um, you know, during the night, that's when short-term uh, memory gets shuttled to long-term storage. So it's there's a lot of studies that show when you don't get enough sleep, you're you're not able to recall. You're not able to properly store the information that you're learning. So it affects learning. This is why it's, it's a really big deal for, for, especially for kids and college students to really make sure that they're getting the sleep that they they need. Um, so it, you know, from a physical standpoint that it's when our bodies recover. So if you're trying to lose weight and you're not sleeping and you're wondering why, you know, despite how hard you exercise and how clean your diet is, it's because you're that's during the night you're burning fat and hor- certain hormones are being released that help you you know support that and so a- a- any aspect literally any aspect of our life that's important either gets better when you're getting better sleep or gets worse when you're not 
Right. So what do you tell your clients or recommend people get in terms of the amount of sleep a night? So it really depends on the person. It depends on their stage of life. It depends on, you know, their activity level. There's so many factors that impact how much is enough. And this also depends on your genetics. There's something called chronobiology. So we each kind of have, you, you might've heard like of a night owl or a morning lark. Um, so there's, there's, you can take a quiz. It's an MEQ quiz that helps you determine what your chronotype is. So there's all these factors that factor in, well, how much sleep do I need? And that's actually going to change throughout your life. So depending on what stage you're, you're, you're in will dictate how much sleep you need. And then it's not just about the amount of sleep. It's, it's also about the quality of that sleep. So it's really important to understand that you could be getting seven, eight hours of sleep, but that seven to eight hours of sleep might not be deep REM sleep. It might right. not be the Delta stage where the body really is recovering. Um, you might just be kind of in and out of light sleep. And that, and so it's really a hard question to answer because it really, the answer is it depends. Yeah. But generally healthy adults need between seven and eight hours, seven to eight hours a night. Um, some people can get away with a little bit less. Some people need a little bit more. It just, it really depends. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I feel like no one I know, I think that, that I'm friends with anyway, gets that much sleep. I don't think they do. And, you know, a lot of them have children and I, I think that affects <laughs> sleep greatly. Um, but I, I don't have children. So I'm getting honestly like close to nine hours a night. And I have, I have to, at a certain time, my body's just like, I'm done. I don't care what I have to do. Um, even in college, when everyone's staying up cramming, I just couldn't do it. I was like, I'm not retaining any of this. It, there's actually no point. I need to go to sleep. Um, so that was me personally. And, um, you know, I, I, I agree and have experienced the changes throughout different parts of my life. But I guess I'm curious, though, too, in, in terms of like, you know, if you have one bad night of sleep versus, you know, obviously if, if you're having issues sleeping consistently, you're going to have, um, some trouble there, but is it going to affect us if we just have one bad night of sleep as well? I mean, I don't want to scare people, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so one, even one night of less sleep is going to affect you. Um, and so when that's, it's called sleep debt. So essentially there's two things, there's two systems that control sleep. There's circadian rhythm, which is you get your body's clock, right? Which is synced with the rising and the setting of the sun and the cascade of hormones. And then there's something called adenosine or sleep pressure. And so this adenosine builds up throughout our mind and body throughout the day, and it creates the sense of sleepiness. And what happens when we don't get enough sleep, that adenosine every night gets cleared out and if we're not getting enough sleep, it's not getting cleared out and we're creating what's called sleep debt. And then, you, you know, depending on who you ask. So some people say you can repay off, you can pay off sleep debt by like taking a nap or catching up on sleep. Some sleep experts say that that's not the case. So the jury's out on whether which one is, is, is really true here. Um, but the fact of the matter is even after just one night of sleep, like if you, let's say you pulled an all nighter your insulin levels are going to be affected. Your, you know, your cortisol level is going to stay heightened throughout the day. Um, it's, you'll have a drastic physiological effect even after one night of, of poor sleep. Yeah. And I think Nicole and I talk about this a lot <laughs> in, in uh, our days that we don't have a good night's sleep. Um, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm like the opposite of Victoria. I'm, I was never, I'm like a good sleeper. Like I can fall asleep, but I was always an early riser. And like, now that I have kids, I've just haven't had great sleep, but I was like in the morning, Victoria, like she was saying before she would be like sleeping and it'd be like 7am. I'm like throwing socks at her to try to get her to wake up. Like, like yeah. someone hang out with me at 7am, but I'm still that way. I'm like always up at, you know, 530 in the morning. Um, so your your chronotype you're more probably you're you have different chronotypes and that's a perfect example of this. Yeah. And so you know depending on your chronotype, so you're maybe like a morning person or an evening type person. That depends on your your chronobiology. And so leaning into that and listening to that can be a really uh, helpful way of of maximizing the potential of your sleep depth and also health longevity wise. Um, 
so there's there's a great book. He's uh, another sleep expert, Dr. Michael Bruce, uh, called The Power of When. And um, that's a cool book to check out if you're interested in prototypes. Well, if you could just expand on that a little bit in terms of, um, you know, what's actually happening during sleep that's so important for our health. Yeah. So, well, like, as I mentioned, there's not an area of your life that's not affected, but like more specifically, there's something called the glimpse system. And it's, you can think of it as the lymph system for the brain. And what happens is the cells in our brain sort of shrink and this, this, you can, Cerebral spinal fluid sort of flushes out the toxins, the beta amyloid, the tau. These are these are plaques that actually build up that create Alzheimer's and dementia. So every night, this 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 is when this process happens. You have you you know this washing of your brain, so to speak. Um, we all have cancer in our in our bodies. That's just we, we do, and it's during the night when you know autophagy, which is essentially the body's program it's it's going after the damaged cells and, and removing those damaged cells so you don't get cancer that's when that's taking place our immune systems are most active during the night uh so so as, again from like a from a longevity standpoint from a health standpoint you probably experienced i mean i've experienced this when you're not sleeping well you get sick more often you know you get the then there's a lot of science and studies that show even vaccines aren't as effective like the flu vaccine, and I, I don't, I haven't seen anything on the COVID vaccine, um, but it's vaccines are not as effective just because your body, the immune system is is not as robust. So just from like a physical health standpoint, those are two sort of more technical scientific processes that happen that I always like to share with people just to sort of motivate them to actually take this serious because it is serious. And even from like a, a really just basic standpoint, if you think about it, like you can last a couple of minutes without air, right? You can last a couple of days without water. The next most important thing when we're thinking of it in terms of this is sleep. It's sleep and, and then food. You know, you can go, there's a guy actually that went a year without eating any food. He was like 350 pounds and his body essentially ate all the fat. So, so the most, the, Third in line from air goes air, water, sleep, then food. And most people just don't even ever think like, oh my gosh, that's so as, as far as like priority, as far as long, you know, just health standpoint, sleep is right behind air and water. So, I mean, it's, there's so many things. There's so many reasons why I think people, another great book, if you're, if this is interesting and. I keep telling about other people's books and not my own book, which I will get to. Um, but I've read, so I'm continuing to always read books on sleep. Um, and Why We Sleep by Matt Walker is a great book. And he really gets into, see, here's the thing about these sleep books. A lot of times they tell you the scientific studies and what happens when you're not sleeping and all the scary stuff around that. They don't really, they haven't done a great job of telling you what to do about it, which is why I wrote my book, The Sleep Advantage, um, which I'm sure will maybe touch on, but his, in, in, in that book, he really gets into the studies of physiologically, what are the processes that are happening during the night that affect our physical health? Um, and one of the things he shares, which is really interesting is about, um, this is kind of funny, but size of testicles, like they, they've shown that, you know, men's testicles are actually smaller, um, when they're underslept over a consistent amount of time, just because they're not getting the release of, of testosterone, right? Um, there's studies linked to, you know, pregnancy, like women having a hard time getting pregnant and not being able to sleep because they have higher levels of cortisol and stress. And, you know, it's hard to make a baby if your body's freaking out and stressed, right? So I don't, I, I could, is that helpful? I don't want to yeah. go off on a tent. I'm going <laughs> no. down a rabbit hole here now, but no, of course. And I, you know, I was going to say, how did they even get to that study where they're looking at the size of testicles? But good, I, I guess you're, you're looking at hormones and all of that stuff that, that does make sense, but yeah, quite an interesting study. <laughs> that is an interesting study. Okay. We're going to measure all our participants' <laughs> testicles here. Yeah. That, it's, it's in Matt, it's in uh, Matt Walker's book. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know too much about that study, but I thought that that was an interesting one and it definitely yeah. gets people's attention, especially sure. men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, I think it was a perfect transition into the next like portion of what we kind of try to do here, which is help our audience take 
you know, get started or take some actionable steps. And so you were talking about your book um, and how you kind of give those, you know, those steps that we can take to increase our sleep health. So before we get into all those steps, um, you mentioned before, like people who say like, like it's a badge of honor, like, oh, I don't need sleep. And like, I, you know, I can function on three hours of sleep and whatever. Um, so for those people who are listening, what would you say to them first? And then we'll get into all the steps that we can all take to improve our sleep health. Yeah, that's a, I, to those people, I would say, I hope you, you just listen to what I just said. Because if you're, if you're constant after no, here's the thing. A lot of times people just don't realize that sleep's important. And once you realize that it's important, then if you're choosing to still buy into, it's not important, then you're going to, unfortunately, you're going to have to live with the consequences of that. So like for me, I didn't really realize that it was that important, but once you know better, you can do better. So I would just challenge anyone that thinks it's a waste of time to really try it on. And to see how much it does change your life, to see how much more energy you feel, how how much better you're able to make decisions during the day, and and just yeah, try it on. And if after you know at least a month of really making sure that you're prioritizing it and you're getting enough of it, if nothing changes, then then go back to the way that you were you were you were uh, doing things before. And something else for for. I guess for all of us, but you talked about like measuring sleep and how important it is to measure sleep. So I know like, you know, the aura ring is out there also, you know, the Fitbit does a little bit of sleep tracking, but so you believe that these devices are really helpful. I mean, how else are we really measuring what type of sleep we're getting if we are not using devices like this? You're not really able to, unless you, I mean, unless you go to a sleep lab and th- to be honest, these devices aren't hundred percent accurate. Some devices are better than others and the algorithm and the tech continues to improve, but really it's just about getting the awareness around when you make certain choices and decisions during the day, how that impacts your night. And so even if they're not 100% accurate, you can at least get a consistent reading as to, hey, I decided not to have two glasses of alcohol right before sleep. And I got, wow, I actually did get better quality sleep. I was able to stay asleep longer. I was able to get into deeper stages of REM. So you're able to really, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure, but I like to see you can't master what you don't measure. And sleep's not one of those things that you have to measure for your entire life. I do just because I'm, this is my work. But really just even doing it, tracking it for like three months would be enough to really say, oh my gosh, okay, this is how coffee affects my sleep. This is how alcohol affects my sleep. This is how I sleep if I don't create the space in my day because I'm, I'm so stressed, right? So you start to really be able to pinpoint all of the, the behaviors that then affect sleep and also how sleeping better then affects your next day. And then you can start to draw these conclusions. And that's why it's powerful. It's kind of like having a sleep, you know, a, a sleep lab on your finger or your wrist, or like it's like getting a blood test where you get these, these results back. And now you have, you, you have some decisions you can make. You have some, you know, tangible feedback and you could say, okay, using that analogy, uh, high cholesterol. Okay. I can go on a diet or I can take these pills or I can do both. And then I'm going to go back and get a blood test. So it's kind of like, it, it's also motivating. Because you see, wow, I'm making this decision, this hard decision to not watch another Netflix show because that's sometimes that's hard for people. And wow, it actually did make a difference. And you can see it and you can feel it. Do you personally use the aura ring? I heard you say on your finger. So is that, I mean, I feel like because of the, um, what's it called? What's the word? What is like, no, we don't use the Fitbit, like EFT, EMF. Oh, EMF, EMF. EMF. Yes. Oh my God, I lost it for a second. <laughs> but I know that's like why people don't wear a Fitbit, right? Like, or that's the whole point. The Aura Ring doesn't really have that same issue. So it's also, I, I use for a couple of reasons. I mean, you can put it in airplane mode. Um, it's also, it's on your finger and not on your wrist. It's a little bit less of a like a nuisance, even though some people mm-hmm. don't like to wear it. And it's also, I find the most accurate out of all the other devices. Um, so that's, that's why I like the aura ring. It's, it's people tend to like to wear it more so than things on their wrist or their chest or under their pillow or on around their eyes. 
So, and they, they really nailed it with, with what they're doing. So I think it's, it's worth the investment. It is, you know, I think it's their base models, $300 or something like that, but yeah, they're 300. Well, unless you get the Chanel one, which is now out, they partnered and they're like $900 and you can get a nice Chanel, um, aura ring. Is it Chanel or Gucci? I did get an email about that. Oh, I don't know. One of them. It could be Gucci. Whichever one, Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, That's if you want to be bougie. Yeah. If you want to be bougie. Kim Kardashian. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, speaking of Kim Kardashian, she posted her, like she posts her sleep, um, results with the aura ring and she's like has amazing sleep she had like a 98 percent. i don't even know what but how, like with how great she is a sleeper so oh, she did yeah. post that with the aura ring yes and i think uh her and like gwyneth paltrow or jennifer anderson they all had like a sleep off like who could sleep yes which it's that's not really you know i don't know how productive <laughs> that is but anyway that's well i also think if you have a nutritionist a chef a trainer, nannies, all of that, it probably helps you. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Well, the, the good news is, you know, people tend to follow celebrities. And so yeah. they're getting the awareness around sleep. So that there is some positive aspects to this the kind of silliness of social media and celebrity, um, you know, trends here. Yeah, yeah. But yes, totally. yeah, it's a bit of a different... Um, lifestyle, I imagine, with with uh, with these you know A list celebrities in their sleep. Not that they're not stressed. We don't want to, you know. No, no, that's put them all. We're not generalizing celebrities. We know that you're stressed too. <laughs> um, so one thing I have a question about, but and then we can move on to some other things. But is it very important to have a consistent sleep time and wake time? It is. Would you say it is because what that does is it helps your sleep architecture stay consistent. So what that, especially waking up the same time, it would be in a perfect world. You go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time, but we don't live in a perfect world. So the more important one seems to be waking up at the same time to kind of help that the circadian rhythm and the sinking of that clock and so if you can do that, if you can commit to that, it'll definitely help with the quality of your sleep. That's so, funny. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but it's funny. No, go. I, I've noticed that. So I work in a hybrid model. So, you know, a few days a week, I have to commute from New Jersey into Manhattan. So I'm getting up a lot earlier. And then the days that I don't, I was prioritizing getting up at the same time and working out so that I had the same schedule. And recently I've been like, oh, I want to sleep in another hour or so. And I've noticed I just feel a bit off doing that. So that's something I've had in the back of my head. It's like I have to get back to getting up at the same time every single day, regardless of whether I have to commute or not. So I'm glad you pointed that out. It's a good reminder because I know a lot of people work in a hybrid world now um, or remote or whatever. So I think that helps. Yeah. And actually uh, to follow up with that, like, so during the week, I'm a teacher. So I wake up at five, I like meditate and work out in the morning, but then on the weekend, I'm like, oh, I can actually sleep like till six, but is that actually detrimental or is it more productive for me to get an extra hour of sleep or is it better if I just wake up at five? Yeah. I mean, again, it depends, depends on who you ask and it depends on your, your body. I would say experiment with both and just see what you feel works, works for you. At the end of the day, it's all about experimentation. People can say, Oh, this is how you have to do it. And, and anyone that says that I I'm like, no, you, you, everybody is so unique and different. Yes. There are certain things that seem to help and work for most people. But at the end of the day, this is just an experiment. So I would say, you know, maybe for a month, Nicole, try getting up at five on the weekends and just see how you feel and then go back and then try the opposite of sleeping in for an extra hour and see how that changes your quality of sleep or if there is a difference at all. So at the end of the day, you have to be open you know, to experimenting with, with these things. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to try it. I'm also... I guess for my 40th birthday, I'm going to ask for an aura ring. So I'm going to put that out there to my husband. <laughs> Send him the Gucci one. Make sure he gets, yeah. you get the Chanel, yeah, the Gucci, Gucci, Louis Vuitton one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that doesn't really fit my style, but um, 
we'll go we'll go for the standard no the standards 300 yeah Yeah, i was just totally (laughs) kidding um no i know um so okay so what are so i know there's a lot of steps we can take to increase our sleep health you mentioned stress during the day right so that obviously is a huge component so what are like what do you what do you think is the best way to combat that i mean we've talked about stress i know that that's like a, a hot topic for everyone but do you have a go-to suggestion? Yeah, I mean, so our sleep is a reflection of our day, really. So literally everything you, you do, all the choices you make from the moment you wake up affect your sleep, and then your sleep affects all of the next day. So it's it's really cyclical, but sleep's a result. It's, you know, so it's really important to understand, first and foremost, that sleep's a result. It's not, it's never a problem. And focusing on it like it's a problem is is really dangerous for a lot of reasons that we can get into. But to answer your question, um, stress, you know, yeah, it's a part of life. We can't escape it. It's necessary. It helps us actually, you know, there's different types of stress. The biggest type of stress that I find affects sleep is, is when people are overwhelmed and they have, they have too much going on and they don't have space in their day. So this would mean like going from back to back meetings, um, one thing to the next, there's no time for the mental rest. And so there needs to be rest throughout the day in order for sleep to happen at night. And so when you're resting, that's the opposite of stress. And rest comes in a lot of different forms, comes in a lot of different ways. Resting for someone one way might look like different for someone else. But you need to give yourself time between transitions or you're going to build up this static sort of physical tension or tightness that then doesn't allow the body to release and relax, which then allows the body to actually sleep. So mindfulness practices are huge for two reasons. One, it helps you become more self-aware. You can understand that you're not your thoughts. You can understand that um, you can sort of create the space within, if you have, you're having uncomfortable emotions to actually feel those emotions. So having some emotional intelligence, some self-intelligence as far as awareness-based intelligence, mindfulness is incredible strategy. So having a mindfulness practice is game-changing. And that can come in a lot of ways, shapes, and forms. Um, but a formal meditation practice would be very, very helpful for, for anyone. And then really just making sure that your schedule is not so constricted where you don't have enough space to actually just relax and breathe throughout your day. It's that simple. Um, and then obviously getting support. Like we all have traumas, traumas with little T's, trauma with big T's. Like a lot of times people try to deal with this stuff or they suppress it or repress it. Anything you suppress or repress gets expressed. And oftentimes it gets expressed in the form of a dis-ease and sleep issue being one of those diseases that happen when we don't emotionally process things that need to be processed. That's really good advice. Honestly, I sometimes go through my whole day and I'm like, just go, 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 you know, in my actual work. Then I come home and I'm go, go, go with my kids and like, it's hard to make space sometimes, but you know, there's always time. So that's good. That's really good advice. What are some other things that you talk about in your book that, um, that we can take to increase our sleep health? So real simple strategy I like to share is the three, two, one sleep. So three hours before bed, you want to stop eating because you don't want to be digesting food when you're sleeping, you want your body digesting cancer cells and, you know, repairing, not trying to digest the hamburger that you ate right before you went to sleep. Um, then two hours before bed, you want to stop working. And this allows the the brain to start to simmer down. It's like our brain's not like a light switch, doesn't switch off. We need to create the space for it to start to slow down. And you, some most people need about two hours because most people say, I can't sleep because I have a racing mind. And it's because they don't have enough space between their work and their actual like wind down. And then an hour before bed, that's when you want to start something relaxing. And you can treat yourself like you treat your kids. You know, read a book, bedtime story, take a hot bath, take a hot shower, stretch, meditate, um, make love to your partner. Do anything that's going to get you into your body and into the parasympathetic. So, which is the opposite of the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight response. So you want to start to really train your body to shift from that semi-sympathetic, which is where we are most of the day, to that rest and relax, which is the parasympathetic. And there's all different types of things you could do 
to help the body retrain itself to do that. And that comes in a lot of, a lot of forms. That's where the experimentation comes, comes, uh, comes about. And where does screen time fit into the three, two, one? Would you say that's part of the work or when should that, when should we remove that? Yeah. I mean, so it's, this is a, this is a challenging one. So, you know, ideally you're not on screens at least an hour before bed, at least. And the reason is because a lot of the times when we're on screens, we're either working or we're on social media or watching a show, that's all hyper arousal to the brain. So you might be physically feel like you're relaxed, but your mind is processing things, whether it's you're comparing yourself to your friends on their nice new vacation, or you're answering an email, which is creating some stress, or you're watching a show and somebody's head's getting chopped off and you're like having a little bit of a, you know what I'm saying? You're having a visceral yeah. response to that. So there's that part of it. And then of course the light, the light from our devices has blue light. There's science that shows that this is the light that doesn't allow melatonin to be fully released. Um, so there's that physiological effect as well. Do you, I mean, this might be a personal opinion. I don't know how much science there is behind the blue light glasses or like screen blockers, but do you think that they are um, productive? I do. I mean, I, so I have a couple of pairs. Let me see here. You know, I, I can show you mine here. I have my, you know, different styles. I, I mean, so there are, there is science around that. Um, is it placebo effect wearing one of these? It's hard to say, you know, it's hard to say. Um, but there, there is, they do, there is the good companies. They show that their lenses do block this type of light and that can be helpful, but really this is it really just a sm very small in comparison to some of the other things that I mentioned previously to really that impact your sleep. Yeah. And okay. So we talked about mindfulness, some like meditation, the three, two, one. Um, what about supplements? Like I know that people talk about magnesium being important, vitamin D. So would you say yes, yay, nay? I would. I would say definitely yay. Most people are deficient in those that you just mentioned, vitamin D and magnesium. So supplementing with both of those is going to not only help your health, it'll help your sleep. Um, and then there's a whole chapter in my book on different sleep supplements, depending on what your challenge is, whether it's getting to sleep, staying asleep, whether you're perimetopausal and that's creating the sleep issue. So there's an entire chapter on these different supplements. The thing that it's really important for people to understand, a supplement is not going to solve your sleep challenge. It can definitely help. It can be supportive, but it's not going to, if you have a real sleep issue, like the, the, the solution is not in a pill, whether it's a supplement or in a medication. It's really in changing your mindset and changing your lifestyle and behaviors, um, addressing the underlying root causes. That being said, for sure, there are some great sleep supplements out there that can support sleep quality. And, you know, so again, it depends on your, your biochemistry and all these different things, but magnesium is a great one. L-theanine is another great one. Uh, GABA can be really useful for people. There's passion, a lemon balm and, and passion uh, flower. There's kava kava. There's like a ton of them. So it's it's really just a matter of experimenting with different supplements. But at the very base, the vitamin D and magnesium, that's like, I think everyone can be benefit from that. And you can easily get a blood test just to see if you're deficient in that. And if you are, it'll definitely, by supplementing with those, two supplements will, will definitely increase your quality of sleep. What about the, um, like, you know, there's a CBD like sleep craze going on. Do you hmm. have any insight on that? I do. So marijuana, like THC has been shown to disrupt REM sleep. The CBD is the non-psychoactive constituent in marijuana. And that has been shown to help people to sleep. So there's also CBN or there's all different types of strains and there's all different types of products out there. It really, at the end of the day, it's about quality and it's about how it's grown, how it's sourced, how it's stored and how it's processed. So a lot of products on the market are just completely like low quality garbage. garbage. Yeah. Let's just say it. they're garbage. Yeah. And so if you get a good high quality CBD product, it absolutely can be helpful. You never want to rely on anything though. So like, if you feel like you need to take CBD in order to sleep, then you might want to explore that because you never want to, you know, rely on anything in order to 
to sleep. Your body knows how to sleep. It's just a matter usually of getting your mind out of the way of your body. And what about like melatonin, which I know a lot of people take just like nightly. Yeah. So this, <laughs> depending on who you ask. Um, so first and foremost, melatonin is a hormone. Our body naturally produces it. It used to be regulated in the EU, meaning you need a prescription. Mm-hmm. Here, you can give it to your kids. You can give it to your animals. You know, you can. it's in like all the gummies. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. There was a meta-analysis done on melatonin, and it showed that it wasn't actually effective for, for sleep. So, you know, yes, it can sometimes make you sleepy if you take it and the amount of if it's a high quality supplement and it can it can be a little bit helpful but the science of all the meta-analysis of all the studies on melatonin specifically it shows that it was very very insignificant the 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 results so i'm kind of as an antioxidant melatonin can be used as an antioxidant but as far as Mm -hmm. from like a sleep health standpoint i'm not a huge fan got it um, that's good to clear up because I think people just associate melatonin with sleep. Um, although, yes, it is like a beneficial antioxidant, but um, maybe it's just placebo when people take it. I don't like, I actually feel like if I take it and then sleep and wake up, I feel super groggy and like not clear headed at all. Yeah. So, I mean, so I'm not it, a fan either. It can be like where it is useful is like the mechanisms around supplementing with it would be useful if you're traveling across time zones. So for like mm-hmm. jet lag. And it's the reason of like how it actually works in your body. And I'm not an expert on melatonin, but I know enough to be dangerous here. Um, so it's it's the it, what it does is it kind of helps with the timing of your circadian clock. And so that can be useful if you're doing if you're traveling over time zones. But it's not really the thing that you want to be taking every night as something that's going to be like beneficial for your sleep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Okay, so I have one last question, and then if we missed anything major that you want to touch on, let us know. But um, what is an optimal sleep environment? Yeah, so an optimal sleep environment would be cold, around 68 degrees. It'd be dark, meaning like no LEDs, no light from the streets. It would be quiet, and it would be clean meaning like there's not like dust floating around. There's not like a pile of dirty laundry that's like right on the side of your bed. So it's cold, it's dark, it's quiet, and it's clean. Um, You spend a third of your life sleeping. So you want your bedroom to be a sanctuary. Like that is the most important room in your entire home. Your mattress is the most important piece of furniture that you own. So invest in a really good mattress. And if you're going to, you know, make one room of your home, like amazing, make it your bedroom. So what okay. is a really good mattress? Like firm or, you know, does it depend <laughs> on what you like or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So there's a million different mattresses out there. And so when it comes to mattress, it really just depends on what's important to you. So some, there's like, is, is, are you worried about like off gassing? Are you worried about structural health? Do you want something that's, do you sleep hot and you need something that keeps you cool? So for me, I'll just keep it really simple. It's a, a good mattress, a great mattress is supportive, meaning structurally it's supportive. It's comfortable. It's temperature regulating, meaning it doesn't store your body heat. And I hate to say it, but a lot of Tempur-Pedic mattresses, foam-based mattresses, they store body heat, even though they're support, they have good structural support because of the way they're designed, they store heat. So that's not good um, because our body temperature is going to fluctuate throughout the night. And that's important because that helps us get in and out of different stages of sleep. Um, the other thing is you want to make sure that it's not toxic. There's a lot of really toxic materials that they use in mattresses a lot. And so... Off-gassing is a real thing. Yes, everything in your home off-gasses. So, but you're not on everything in your house. You're on your mattress for hopefully eight hours a day or a night. And so- Yeah, good point. So like, yeah, your couch is going to off-gas. Yeah, you know, whatever, unless you go like all organic furniture and all that stuff, which is great if you do. Um, But why not? Why wouldn't you make a decision to like make your- um, you know, something, uh, 
that's important, not a little bit healthier by making sure that it's not like a really toxic kind of mattress. Does that, does yeah, that, that answer your question? Sense. Yeah. Yeah. We just, sure. now we want to know what mattress you have, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't, you don't have to say it. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to share. So, um, so I sleep on a Prana mattress and it's, mm-hmm. um, from a company called city mattress and it's a latex based mattress, organic latex, um, it's temperature regulating. It has, it's has a topper on it. So I'm a side sleeper. So it's, it's depending on how you sleep also depends on what mattress you should have if you sleep on your back or your stomach or your side um there's certain mattresses that would be better for you and um it's a premium mattress i mean if i told you what it costs to you would your jaw would probably drop but um but it's really comfortable and it lasts and it's you know it, you know a mattress a good mattress will last you at least a decade it's also infused with copper which is antimicrobial it's temperature regulating it's um it's an amazing copper is amazing uh, and I actually did notice when I got this mattress, my sleep quality, my d- deep sleep increased. I didn't change anything else. So that was really fascinating, actually. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's what I'm currently sleeping on. Well, Devin, thank you so much. Um, this has been really, I think, eye-opening, really interesting. And we certainly appreciate you, know, you taking the time to, to speak with us today. Before you leave, though, um, is there anything that maybe we didn't cover that you'd like to put out there for our audience or anything that, um, you know, you could motivate our listeners to prioritize sleep? Yeah, I think it's it's really impo- important for people to understand, first and foremost, that sleep is the foundation of health. It, it truly is. It's more important, I would say, than exercise and diet. I'm going to be bold here and say that. So, and, and so literally again, look at that order. It's air, water, sleep, and then it's food and then movement. So, so really just, I'm going to close with that. And, and if you're someone that has trouble either getting or staying asleep, it's really important to understand that you cannot force and control sleep. Sleep is not something you can force and control and trying to do so actually creates this anticipatory sort of pressure, which will keep sleep from happening. So in our academy at Sleep Science Academy, that's what we help people understand and connect to is that it's, it's, there's nothing you really need to do in order to sleep. So sometimes people get obsessed with, oh, the perfect sleep hygiene, perfect mattress, perfect bedroom. Devin, I'm doing the three, two, one sleep. I'm doing all the things you say, but I'm still, I have anxiety at night. I have racing mind. I wake up. It's because you're trying too hard. There's millions of people tonight that literally won't do any of the things that we talked about and they'll sleep pretty good. Yeah, they could sleep better. But for those of you that are listening that have real issues sleeping, just that's really, really, really important to understand. It's a distinction. You can't do something, doing something so that you sleep actually can be the thing that keeps you from sleeping. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that and pointed that out because, you know, there's obviously a lot of people out there that can't drop thousands of dollars on a mattress or... Um, you know, they work late, they can't wait three hours before right. they go to sleep. You know, everyone has different things going on in their lives. So um, as we've talked about today, I think just becoming aware of it first and foremost, and then doing what you can um, will give you some improvement. So I think that's really important. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so our listeners know at this point in the conversation, we always like to ask our guests if there's a mantra that you have that helps motivate you every day, just a personal mantra. Oh man. Yeah, actually. So, so my mantra is people need me. (laughs) That's literally, so yeah. And so, because I, they do. And so that, that's what motivates me to continue to, to do this work. Um, that can be very challenging working with people that have really, really bad sleep issues. Um, they, they do, they need, they need this, this work and what we do at sleep science Academy. So that's sort of a many mantras, but that's one that I'm looking yeah. at here on my, my desk. When you have when it I, written down. I do. I, I I'm love a, that. I'm a big, you, you came to my house. There's things r- written everywhere. Like yeah. On, yeah. on my bathroom mirror and on my computer, there's like little reminders everywhere. Yep. Um, just because it's, it's, I find it's helpful. 
Yeah, it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, can you um, can you tell us how people can reach you if they want to learn more um, and, you know, if they want to purchase your your book, The Sleep Advantage? So the book's available on Amazon, just The Sleep Advantage. It's also available on Audible. So for people that don't like to read, if you want to just listen, um, I've recorded it on Audible for, for you. So you can listen to it while you're at the gym or driving around. And then sleepscienceacademy.com is for those people that, you know, have insomnia and are looking for a solution. Our clients usually are people that are on sleeping medication that want to get off because it's either not working or they don't like the side effects. Um, but we, we've helped hundreds of people naturally restore their sleep cycles. People that felt like they tried everything and were a bit hopeless. Um, those are usually people that we, we can help. So that's great. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And, um, you have so many great tips on your Instagram. So I think anyone who wants to learn more should start there. It's a great oh, spot with th tons you. of good info. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's Devin Burke wellness, um, for, for the people listening is the Instagram thing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll link everything. Um, we'll link the other books that you mentioned too, and a link to your book and, um, yeah, I can't wait to go to sleep. So <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, really. We know everyone's super busy, um, but we appreciate it. It was such great info. And we'll hopefully talk to you again and we'll stay yeah, connected stay with touch. you. Thanks for being great hosts and for having me on. Take care. Thanks, thanks so much. Bye, Bye, Devin. Sleep well. Thanks for listening to the Busy People Podcast. You can find highlights from today's episode in the show notes. Please support us by sharing this episode, leaving a rating or review, and subscribing to the show. And to catch all the latest from us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Busy People Podcast. Join us next time for another enlightening conversation because you're never too busy to learn something new.